0: Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a column man. I don't believe what
1: I just saw. And, you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call.
2: Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You believe in dark Yes. Well, you know they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast.
1: What about a talk show host. This is in the booth. Talk show host. That's good. <laughs> I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And the booth on a Friday. Good to have you along with us. Jam Pack coming off the Seth update there. Tri Valley League high school football action. The Bears and Lakers at Chit. VVS Oneida. Takes me back to my days. I didn't play high school football, broadcast a little bit of it, and uh, played high school baseball. And those, those were our opponents. Chit, you played Oneida, Canastota. Holland Patton, BBS, Camden, New Hartford, Notre Dame. That was kind of an expansion, but good to have those uh, eastern uh, burbs and out into the rural country there on uh, on the big show. Hope uh, Seth and Julian enjoy their trip to uh, Chitnango tonight. Bears okay. Lakers strong, as always. And uh, high school football gets the weekend going. No uh, Syracuse football This weekend, Uh, we'll have basketball tonight. We talked about that. The Orange versus White scrimmage. More on that, I think, at the tail end of the show today. Talk NBA a little bit on the program here in a few minutes with Nick Friedel of ESPN. He's going to join us to uh, give his insights on the Jimmy Butler fiasco. Nick has had a close eye on that here in recent years. He was the regular beat reporter for the Bulls at uh, ESPN.com for a number of years. And then because of that connection, kept a close eye on the uh, Timberwolves last year. Butler had that, quote, tour de force performance the other day at practice, as referred to by Woj. Then apparently they didn't practice yesterday. They may or may not have had some sort of team meeting, and we'll get to uh, Nick's thoughts on that in just a few moments. We'd like to start our Friday shows with some of the leftovers from the Dino Babers show last night. We even got last night a good question. I think we've all been wondering, who is the cat in the kilt? On the sideline, strength coach uh, Sean Ettinger was Coach Babers' guest at the tail end of the program last night. And the story about that is uh, somewhat interesting. And it's not what you think in terms of why is there a guy in a kilt on the sideline. But first up, we always ask Babers in this bye week, what is it exactly that you're trying to accomplish?
3: Players have been fantastic. We also got in a, a bunch of conditioning, which I know they really enjoyed. <laughs> And now they get an opportunity for a couple of days off to go home. If if their home is close, they have an opportunity to go home and spend some time with their families. And then everybody has to be back here. uh, That's, of course, if they don't have school. And then everybody has to be back here uh, early Sunday because we'll be on the practice field on Sunday night.
1: So everybody headed off in different directions here. In some cases, the players do get a chance to go home or get off campus for a couple of days, their class schedules permitting. And for the coaches, a lot of them were gone as early as Wednesday. Coach Baber said he was traveling this morning and would be back late Saturday or uh, first part of Sunday before practice. And for the coaches, recruiting is obviously the mission.
3: Well, really, this is, a, this is not a contact period. This is an evaluation period. So you're allowed to go to the young men's games and talk to their coaches and counselors and find out where they are, uh, not only athletically but academically and socially. And, uh, and then you get a chance to, you know, not watch them on tape, but just watch them in the game, see what they do when they don't get the football, see what they do when they're not in the game. Are they a team player? Are they a selfish player? And all those things are important when you're trying to uh, bring the best family members you can to join your Ohana.
1: That body language goes along. And And, you know, the idea of talking about recruiting is one of the things they do is – go into these schools and find how the young men conduct themselves in non-football settings. How do they treat the other students? How do they show up at class? Apart from their academic record, even just the uh, body language and general uh, interaction with uh, the rest of the folks. As far as football talk, D-line play, certainly when you look at the, the first half of the season among the strengths, in fact, that probably has to be the top of the list
3: they're just playing tenaciously they really are and anytime we get those guys in a one-on-one situation it's not that they win every time but they sure in the heck come free every time and i and it and then the really cool thing is court the thing that quarterbacks do is they watch tape and when they watch tape from game one through six regardless of whether you're playing connecticut or you're playing clemson they see those guys getting home and they know now that you know they may want to look at the rush a little bit earlier because these guys are showing up and, and they're getting there in a bad mood. So uh, couldn't say enough enough. I mean enough about our pass rush, what the inside guys do, uh, what the defensive ends do, and really our pass coverage has been outstanding too. It's just that we got to get people to start throwing more balls into that secondary and stop running more balls into it.
1: Well, that's what has been the problem: running balls through maybe not the front four, but certainly through the linebackers to get to the secondary run defense has been the Orange's biggest issue the last two weeks.
3: You know, we have to get off the football field. You know, in both of those situations, they were long drives. I think, the, uh, I think people have a, a hangover from Clemson with the 96-yard 90, the drive more than anything. I think when you look at our defense – if I'm not mistaken, there were like two field goals from over 50-something yards that, that scored points for Pitt. And, you know, and I know we kicked one as well, but that's not normal in a college football game. So you take those six points off the board and and then take the uh, seven that the offense gave on the fumble, scoop, and carry. I mean, that's 13-point swing, and you don't even go into overtime. And you can say, well, if and if nuts and all that other kind of stuff. But I think the biggest thing is is that we just can't stay on the football field that long. It's it's really demoralizing for guys to have long 10-play drives against your defense, whether they score whether they kick a field goal. We need to try to force the issue a little bit and get off the field a little bit faster.
1: And they had been getting off the field without standing third-down defense in the early games, not so much against Pittsburgh. And Babers there is touching on sort of the periphery, Of the issues, and he's not wrong. You know they've given up points in other ways, and if you thought, well, they only scored twenty-four points in regulation, you wouldn't feel bad about it. No, you wouldn't. But they did give up those points, and the run defense is an issue. uh, Even aside taking aside those other issues, you know that they gave up. uh, Certainly on the Syracuse offensive side, they gave up points to uh, Pittsburgh's defense, etc. But But uh, work to be done, and this is the time of the year that you do it. The bye week well-placed right in the middle of the season. Six games remaining, two at home, North Carolina and NC State. If you want a preview of the Tar Heels, they play Virginia Tech tomorrow, so you can keep an eye on that. As for the kilt guy, a caller had asked, and we wondered it ourselves, if you watch on the Syracuse sideline, there has been a strength coach wearing a kilt during the game, kind of a tartan pattern, that uh, fits with the uh, orange and blue in the uniform. And our friend Adam Terry, who does the games with us on the the weekend, is the strength coach for the Scottish National Lacrosse team. And he noticed it right away because they obviously wear kilts in formal situations with their team events. And so we asked uh, Coach Edinger last night, what's the deal with the kilt guy? And he said it's one of his guys that he's hired to bring here, intern or a low on the totem pole strength coach in uh, a member of that staff. And the sole reason that he wears the kilt, not because of Scottish heritage for him or the program or any of the other coaches or anything. Apparently, just because Sean Edinger likes to have a guy in a kilt on his staff. He'd had it a couple of years ago at a previous school, thought it was cool. Said As he said, things went well. So he wants a kilt guy. And this particular assistant, Dave, I think he said, is the kilt guy. So there's a kilt guy on the sideline, and it's uh, not really by his choice other than he's not pushing back on it, and uh, that's the deal. So if you want to know why there's a kilt guy, it's because the head strength coach, who looks like he's right out of uh, strength coach central casting, has the beard and the the whole deal, and uh, tough-looking dude, he wants a dude on the sideline in a kilt, so that's what they have. When we come back... We'll be joined by Nick Friedel of ESPN, NBA beat reporter who has switched his focus this year to the West Coast and the Warriors, who joined us from San Jose where the Warriors play the Lakers again tonight in NBA preseason action. Our NBA preview in the booth is next on ESPN Radio.
0: This is In the Booth with Matt Park.
1: in the booth on a chilly Friday here in central New York. It's the last weekend of the NBA preseason. Means things get going for real first part of next week. And we thought on a weekend with no Syracuse football game, we would lean on our friend Nick Friedel of ESPN, who covers the NBA in general and uh, switching now to the Warriors specifically. And uh, lot's going on. So we thought we'd bring uh, Nick on for a fun Friday visit and get caught up to speed. Nick, how are you?
4: Matt, always good to be with you.
1: Good, man. Well, you know, we could start. I guess the the place would be, you're now the national expert on this one. You weren't in that gym in Minnesota the other day, but uh, this Jimmy Butler madness <laughs> is so interesting, and I know you've spent a lot of time in recent years covering the Bulls with Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler, and now uh, in Minnesota last year, you caught in on that a little bit. So this is a soap opera day-to-day, huh?
4: It never stops. Uh, and the fact that, that it's gotten to this point, Matt, is uh, is in my mind on Tibbs because to try and wear that hat of being the coach and the the basketball ops guy making all the decisions. When you know that a player isn't happy and that player, as Jimmy told Rachel Nichols a couple days ago, uh, said that repeatedly to him over the summer, it's on Tibbs as stubborn as he is uh, to find a way to get Jimmy out of there because he's made it very clear he's going to walk a year from right now. So, uh, the whole thing is a mess. Talking to some people up there, even in the last few days, everybody's just kind of shaking their heads. Uh, I don't think it's there's going to be a resolution until Glenn Taylor, the owner, uh, the Timberwolves owner, steps in and says, hey, you know what, Tom? I'm the owner. This is my show. I want this to get done. Because in Tibbs' mind, he figures if I trade Jimmy, uh, this team isn't good enough, and this team may not be good enough with him anyway, but Might as well roll the dice and see what happens this season. But, Matt, in the end, I think Jimmy's going to get dealt at some point here soon, and Tibbs will probably not be the coach of this team uh, a year from right now.
1: Nick Friedel of ESPN is with us, a regular NBA reporter for them, and we'll get into more of the specifics in some time here. I heard you on a national show the other night basically say as much that among the reasons that Jimmy Butler is acting out here is he – just understands the Timberwolves as presently conducted, uh, constructed are not good enough. And you need to be so good, obviously, to compete with the Warriors that you're close to, the Lakers and the way that they are headed, and some of these top teams. I'm curious your point of view on this whole concept of player empowerment now, where the players are the general manager. The players, if they do pout to a certain degree, they've got to be dealt with. And what is anybody supposed to do in a mess like this? I guess, you know, he'll play if he has to under contract, but uh, not, not a guy that you really want to have around right now. for yeah, as good I, a player as he is.
4: Right, and that's the problem, man. I mean, if you're Jimmy, uh, I've known him long enough to know he's not going to sit out regular season games. If push comes to shove and he's still on the team next week, he's going to play, uh, and they'll find a way to make it work, or it won't work, but he will be out there. Uh, As far as the player empowerment stuff goes, I think that all goes back to LeBron. Uh, He started this trend uh, with Bosh and Wade pairing up, going to make that super team in Miami. and Players around the league looked around and said, hey, we got more power than than I think even we understand. And so now they're looking at each other going, okay, how do we find either uh, a way to pair up with each other or a way to pair up uh, potentially with other players in a city that we want to play in? Uh, The issue as it relates back to Jimmy is this. Uh, Jimmy has always believed he's the baddest dude on the block, uh, and he thinks he is the very best player. When you talk to people around Jimmy, uh, they'll tell you that as as great of a player as he's become, he's still not on that LeBron, KD, Steph Curry, James Harden level. And that's the issue for Minnesota Uh, moving forward. I mean, how do you get value for a guy – Who believes he's better than what his value really is uh, in the landscape of this league Uh, in in reality for the Timberwolves. They thought that uh, especially Tibbs thought that Towns and Wiggins were going to be on that star level and they haven't shown that uh, to be the case, especially with Wiggins. So the Minnesota thing is a complete mess. Uh, They're in real trouble. But as far as Jimmy goes, uh, I think. He's got a couple more years to be an all-star, but uh, the minutes are going to, to hurt him over time.
1: Well, the players hold all the cards to a degree because they're the ones that provide the services. It's just uh, <laughs> right. incredible to, to watch from afar, and it puts the owners in a tough spot. They're still paying the salaries and the bills, and until that stops, then uh, I don't know what the consequences are going to be. You would appreciate this, Nick, that every day when I walk into our office at the uh, ACC Network, we do have a picture of, on the wall, it happens to be Johnny Flynn driving right by Jimmy Butler <laughs> on his way to the basket. So th- there was a time when uh, Jimmy Butler was not a household name and, and uh, not uh, an NBA superstar. That yeah, dude, part of it, you know, I
4: was going to say that's a, that's also a reminder that you got to draft well, Matt. No matter that's right. what, uh, you can talk uh, all about building rosters and, and finding ways to bring guys together, but if you you're drafting Johnny, as much as I love what he did at Syracuse and he misses in the NBA and and you could add Steph Curry. Well, you're going to have a problem. (laughs)
1: Whoops. (laughs) Speaking of uh, Steph Curry, that's your new gig now. They're moving you guys, our friends of the show, Dave McMenamin, back to uh, L.A. to cover the Lakers again now that they've got LeBron and you're out on the West Coast. So all the power headed that way is you'll have a a front row seat to the Warriors, and I'm thrilled for you guys. Because uh, that's the hottest thing going on in sports right now, and the Warriors have the new building coming and all of that. What do you expect from that show over the course of 82 games this year?
4: Uh, It's incredible. Uh, and Dave and I are texting each other every day, Matt, going, I can't believe that this has actually happened. (laughs) Because it is pretty awesome. Uh, As far as the Warriors go, if they stay healthy, nobody's beating them. Uh, The talent on that team is overwhelming, uh, and that was without DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, and he'll come back here at some point in the next few months and he'll just give them another added dimension so uh, they are that much better than everybody else and just on a personal level being able to cover them on a day-to-day basis I mean they're so easy to deal with they actually enjoy uh, speaking to the media Steve Kerr uh, is one of the most laid-back coaches I've ever been around and and doesn't mind talking uh, for a few extra minutes every day I mean it's it's a very fun atmosphere, and I know there are a lot of fans that say, oh, man, here we go again with the Warriors. They're going to win. Uh, at some point here soon, especially uh, this upcoming summer with Kevin Durant, will he stay or go? Klay Thompson, will he stay or go? things will will change uh, as far as how the league's uh, hierarchy is constructed. But right now, I mean, the Warriors are on top, and, and they plan to stay there uh, at least for the next couple seasons going into the the Chase Center, that new arena you referenced uh, next year.
1: They'll say they can't go on forever just because of the way contracts are constructed, but it seems like everybody there understands how unique a deal they've got, how much fun they're having. And Steve Kerr and Tom Thibodeau have to be pretty far apart on the uh, NBA coach spectrum, right? I, I would think, as far as the wear <laughs> over the months long seasons, that uh, Steve Kerr is a lot more fun to be around.
4: Yeah, a case in point from uh, from this afternoon. You've got Kerr, who had a practice at Stanford uh, last night, and he decides, you know what? I've got a veteran team. They know exactly what they're doing. Uh, we're going to cancel shoot around. Matt, in the now almost seven years I've covered Tibbs, uh, he's never canceled a shoot around. <laughs> There's a shoot around before every game that's not a back to back. So, uh, yeah, there there are a lot of reasons why uh, Kerr has found his rhythm with this team. And, and the key you know you can have the players, and you're always going to need the players and the talent to win uh, in the NBA, but the coach has to be able to hit the right buttons and pull all the strings, and Kerr has found a way to do that uh, in the last few years, and that's why they gave him the, the massive contract extension that they gave him uh, over the summer.
1: Our guest is Nick Friedel of uh, ESPN. You can read him on ESPN.com, see a lot of his coverage on uh, TV, listen to it on the radio, following the uh, Warriors now. This year, most closely, but uh, the league in general and and certainly on top of what's happening down the coast where, as we mentioned, the Lakers have a new guy named LeBron James. And, you know, this year alone is not why he went there. He's obviously trying to gear up a team that can compete with the Warriors in the next couple of seasons. But what's realistic, aside from the sideshow, to expect out of that bunch this year?
4: Yeah, man, I, I watched that game you know, the preseason game against the Warriors the other night in Vegas. And I'm going, well, just how good can this Lakers team be? Because the hype is certainly there. I mean, as far as preseason games go the other night, that place was rocking. Uh, but I don't believe the Lakers are going to be that good this season. And what's stunning to me, having watched LeBron and covered him the, the last few years, is that he would take essentially a red shirt year. Uh, because if he stays in the East, and uh, the Cavs make a couple moves, I still think even this year uh, they have enough to go uh, and knock off Boston. In the West, I I think they're going to get in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to go too much farther than the first round because the rest of the pieces just aren't ready to play at that kind of level. What are you going to get with Lonzo Ball, with Brandon Ingram? Uh, What happens with guys like Rondo and Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee? I mean, who knows how that's going to all come together, Uh, The one thing to keep in mind always is LeBron is still, still the best player in the league. So he has the ability to lift up the games of those around him. But when you're in a conference uh, with the likes of the Warriors and the Rockets and the Thunder have uh, gotten that team a little bit better than where it was last season, Uh, That is a lot to deal with on a regular basis, and I just can't believe that LeBron, who thrives on those big, big playoff games and getting to the finals, would go to a team, even if it is in Los Angeles, in a year where they really don't have a chance to get there again.
1: Just an amazing amount of personalities on that team. It's just a bunch of spare parts and the best player on the planet in this huge media market and the Lake Show and all of that kind of stuff. It'll be uh, fascinating to watch. And you use the phrase "red shirt year." I think the most interesting thing about LeBron is obviously his NBA Finals streak is going to end, and the playoffs are going to be shorter for him. That's going to be the story next year. At this time, when we're going to talk about how rested and hungry he is, right?
4: Oh, no doubt, <laughs> no doubt. I mean, he can already call a shot. Uh, the the key for him will be he'll get two months off, and you know he'll go hang out in uh, on the beach or or in a boardroom making some some deals in Hollywood, but the the real big question moving forward with LeBron is okay. Well, what happens with the Warriors? Are they able to keep all these pieces like Clay Thompson, like Durant, uh, going into the next couple of years? And who are the Lakers going to land to pair with uh, with James? Because if they don't, I mean, if it's if it's just a, a second tier guy. Uh, then all the goodwill and all the hype surrounding LeBron to L.A., it's going to fade out over time because it goes back to what we were saying earlier, Matt. You have to, in this uh, new era of the NBA, you have to have two or three superstars to win a title flatly. I don't care how good LeBron is. He cannot do it by himself. So if they strike out next summer in free agency or if they don't land a guy who's at that level, uh, they're going to be in real big trouble as far as trying to, to make their way up in the West. So, that is the real question kind of hovering over the Lakers and the rest of the league. Uh, And so long as Golden State locks up Durant for another year, which is, of course, in question, and Klay Thompson, I just don't see uh, the Lakers being able to knock them off that pedestal anytime soon, no matter who that other name may be.
1: And whoever they get is going to have to fit in. And the last thing I wanted to ask you about, Nick, given your perspective, you travel with these guys, you talk to these guys so regularly, For lack of a better description, is the Tiger Woods effect. When Tiger is on, and even when he's not, and he's making this recent comeback, playing with Tiger and the galleries that follow him entirely different than than anybody else. You alluded to it the other night. A preseason game right now that the Lakers are playing is a big deal, even if it's not against the Warriors. It's a bigger deal than a lot of those guys have played in. How does the rank-and-file NBA guy that is not at superstar status fit in with LeBron? What's it like to play with him? What's it like for that added attention? And, and does it help or hurt?
4: Uh, Matt, I think that's a really good question. And, and I think when you're trying to construct your roster for a season around LeBron, uh, to your point, it's a huge reason why Rob Palenka, uh, the Lakers GM, and Magic Johnson, who oversees uh, all their basketball ops, it's why they went with so many veterans. It's why they went with a guy like uh, Rondo, uh, and and JaVale McGee, who just won two titles with Golden State. I mean, it's why they've added these older pieces because it is jarring. You talk to any of those guys that played with LeBron in Cleveland or Miami, yes, they enjoy the talent that he has. He's unbelievable, but they say he's a tough guy to play with because he wants to run the entire show, and it's just different getting used to playing with him. And so to your point, as far as the younger guys are concerned, they're going to find out exactly. Uh, what Ingram and Lonzo Ball can do and Kyle Kuzma uh, can do in that kind of environment. And if they can handle it this year, uh, then they can build with them moving forward with LeBron. And if they can't, they're going to make a deal or two, uh, either in season or right after the season, to get older guys who can handle that pressure. Because there is no question, uh, there's going to be a learning curve this season but there is a huge amount of pressure night to night when you play on a team with LeBron James. And if you can't handle it, they better know now because they've got to build for a title uh, in the next few seasons. And if they have guys that can't do it, uh, it's better to figure it out sooner than later.
1: It's like a season-long tryout to see who's ready for prime time. It's uh, interesting stuff. And for those of you that are around the NBA day in and day out uh, – The stories that you'll have to tell uh, this year, I think, will be great to read and to listen to. So, uh, Nick, you're awesome. Very generous with your time. We appreciate it. Uh, Happy for you and your new gig and wish you the best, okay?
4: Anytime, my man. Talk to you soon. You're
1: the man. That's Nick Friedel of ESPN Radio. We're back with much more as we continue in the booth on this Friday afternoon on ESPN Syracuse.
0: This is In the Booth with Matt Park.
1: Back in the booth, time now to think about. We can't have you call right now because we only have one person that answers the phone in this hell of an establishment. The the three mice that we have keeping this thing operating are all running right now, and once we can free up one of them to answer the phone, then we can read this and have you call the fifth caller. We have the segment called "In the Booth" that has its open to it. Maybe we could get to that. Tommy's here. Do
0: we care? Here's a segment. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. But we will do this segment anyway.
5: This is Tommy. He talks now. (laughs) Yes. Odell Beckham Jr. continued his antics last night as he was shown walking off the field as the offense was taking the field with a couple seconds left in the first half of the game. Yeah, bad. He's just bad. I mean, he's
1: arguably the best player, most athletic, gifted. He's unbelievable. I just can't get over all these guys, th- these athletes. You make the money, play football, play basketball, Jimmy Butler. Do what your contract says you're supposed to do. This whole idea of, well, I don't want to play today. Oh, I don't want to work today. Everybody in America goes to work, everybody works for somebody. You're making a gazillion dollars to catch footballs. I understand the Giants aren't good. He pouts. Yes. From my understanding, this was the first play of the possession, so they're at the twenty-five yard line or whatever. Two seconds, nothing's going to happen. But it's just a terrible look going to the locker room early. You know, and, oh, he had cramps. Give me a break. Even if he had cramps, by the way, be better than that. You're you're a, just signing a ninety million dollar contract, sixty-five million dollar guaranteed. Be better than cramps. Don't get cramps. Offensive players don't typically get cramps. We've noticed in our experience uh, here at the Carrier Dome. It's just not plausible. The whole act of headbutting the equipment on the sideline and stuff—it's just so tired. Uh, taking shots at your quarterback—if you're going to do that, you've got to play. So line up and play. It's—it's it's embarrassing.
5: His frustration is understandable, but he's definitely taking it out in improper ways. Well, I love like these guys who throw temper tantrums.
1: We see it all the time. Oh, he's just like that because he hates to lose. Well, nobody likes to lose. But do your job. Be where you need to be. Show up on the field. Play the games. Uh, I'm just so tired of of guys like this. And we talked about it, obviously, with Nick Friedel there related to uh, Jimmy Butler. It puts the management in such a tough spot, too. What are you going to stop paying the guy? You're contractually obligated to to pay somebody. They decide Earl Thomas with the Seahawks, well, I don't want to practice anymore. But when the the transcendent talent sort of, they do hold the cards, you know. What are you going to do, walk away from Beckham? I mean, he's... Probably, in terms of the actual gifts and talent, the the best uh, receiver in the, in the NFL. So you're not going to walk away from him. But uh, the Giants have major problems, and they're not getting better anytime soon.
5: Usain Bolt, he he, ha- he just recently retired from running for the Jamaican national team. He is now playing soccer for an Australian professional soccer club. He joined them on a trial contract. And, and last night, in a pre- preseason friendly, he scored two goals in his first start. My first reaction
1: to this, I know that uh, soccer's always been kind of this passion of Usain Bolt, and he's hinted at it. So is Chad Ochocinco and people like that. My first thought is, number one, it had to be really friendly, if you know what I mean, or this is a very low level of play because obviously Bolt is incredibly fast. He's the, still probably the fastest human on the planet or among them. My understanding of his soccer skills are not of professional caliber. So for him to score two goals... In a game, they we either letting them in or setting them up or helping him out, uh, or maybe he's just exceptionally gifted. But I, speed I, kills I, Matt Park. It does, but this is actually in a sport where it's not like you can go on a straight line and beat everybody to the goal and score. You got to eventually beat somebody on defense, otherwise it's offside. He's also a big dude, and he was. He is. He's about six five or six yeah. six. Yeah.
5: He was able to. His, I saw the highlight of his first goal, and it was actually pretty impressive. He was able to body a guy and, and get the ball and then kicked it with his left foot. I'm not sure if he's lefty or he is righty, a left or right. He a footer. Okay, so he kicked it with his left foot, and it looked pretty good. Yeah? Yes. Okay. I know. I my, think if you say Bolt Bo can Bo. score
1: two goals in a preseason friendly, Polly could score one.
5: Wow. How no, many right, How many goals even did even they wow. score? Four.
1: See? That's high praise. I don't know. I'll bet if you went out to the Faith Heritage, uh, <laughs> Manlius Pebble Hill game today. Neither team's going to score four. The game's played at a higher level than Australian pro soccer.
2: That's a hot, yeah, take. fiery hot. That is. I I wouldn't even know what to compare it to. Like, uh, stri- they've got to be like college well,
1: players, right? Yeah, didn't I, make I'll games. guarantee it's not as close to the major leagues as say, AAA, single A baseball. Oh, single wow. A, wow, I was going to say double A. Certainly wouldn't have said AAA. Triple AAA triple is like yes, really, yes. really yeah, close yeah. to major league baseball. Really he close. Is. Double A is pretty close. This That's might it. be if college you about the, well, You're
2: right. It might be college level soccer. Yeah, I think when
1: you think about the number of players that there are in the world and what have you,
5: uh, Australian professional soccer has got to be at a pretty low level. I would assume so. The NBA has contacted Lonzo Ball and are, are forcing him to cover up his big baller brand tattoo during games. And this isn't the first player that they've contacted. They also contacted J.R. Smith a couple weeks ago, telling him to cover his Supreme tattoo.
1: Yeah, I mean, these guys are idiots with the tattoos to begin with, but uh, I also I, I, think I would probably stick up for the players in this case. If you're as committed as they obviously are to get this level of tattoo to cover it up because it's not with the NBA's exclusive apparel brand, I think is uh, a bit unfair are they to these guys. they putting these guys over them? Yeah, I would, yeah, I'm sure they've like got sleeves. stickers I sleeves. That and and I that hate that. Sleeve. Yeah. Like when you Which almost restaurant. Does, it almost does as much harm as good because it's still, you're talking about it, it still calls attention even sure, though you yeah. can't see the big baller brand. I think people are aware of what the Lonzo Ball brand is.
2: Like you go to a restaurant you're not like, oh look, did she get stabbed in the arm five times when they make the waitresses cover their arms up with band-aids or their neck? You're like... Did she get stabbed in the jugular last well, yeah, night? Nice? It's
1: still bad, right? Yeah, you're, you're
2: still looking at it. Yeah. Rather, I'd rather look at a tattoo than a band-aid. Sure. I'm not an idiot.
1: Yeah, to cover it. I think there's probably some extreme cases where...
2: Yes, that t- need to be covered, yes. Yeah.
1: boy boingo, probably not quite on that level.
2: Yeah, I'll defend not, the tattoo any Not as any offensive. Day, so I am. I'm all tatted up. I'm a
1: man. boy <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> go, <boingo> tattoos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're Do. If you had a big kiss tattoo or...
2: I may get the swinging fryer next. Really? Okay, at my... least
1: that's a cool logo. That might be the next, like the 80s version. Would you be the only guy on the planet with both an oingo boingo tattoo oh, yeah. and a swinging fryer? I think I'm fryer? the
2: only one with an oingo boingo <laughs> tattoo.
1: And car sticker.
5: I'm completely lost.
1: Yeah, I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> and related to Folly's tattoo as well. So, all right. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks. Good stuff, Tommy, with uh, Do We Care. Now, Tommy is going to go heard the mice that are running around the, the line we got one one person calling already They know they listen. the people that are on that uh hamster and in, wheel and uh and in my defense i couldn't to the get them all in formation because
2: utica's break was taking too long so i didn't want us to come back mid break so i want uh-huh.
1: you just threw me right under the centro
2: bus <laughs> absolutely <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right go ahead Listen, friends, to the ESPN Syracuse, which you're currently doing, probably ESPN Utica 2, or maybe you'll catch this in 30 seconds now. <laughs> for your chance to kick a field goal at the uh, Syracuse-North Carolina game, which is in the Dome, October 20th, be the fifth caller from right now. That's four three seven seven six four four or 4ESPN44. Fifth caller gets you on the field for a chance to uh, kick the field goal. It well, actually puts you in a drawing for now. And then On Wednesday, we'll select from all of those various fifth callers which among them will get a chance to attempt a field goal kick on the field Saturday, Syracuse and North Carolina. And if you do make said field goal through the uprights, $1,000 richer are you, courtesy of ESPN Syracuse. The confidence of people is amazing, too. The
2: amount of people calling in thinking they can do this is pretty amazing.
1: Well, do you think right now they're calling and they're, they're sure that they can do it? Because we know, based on previous results it's not as easy as people think and based on what we've actually seen most people are not athletic in the slightest because we've seen some really bad attempts over time so I don't think they're self-selecting right now is what I'm saying they're just calling to get in the drawing I don't think anybody right now is really considering whether they can actually get the ball airborne all right ready for a break but I would say whoever does get selected practice a little bit I think our winner last year uh, said he went out and practiced a little at the local high school field. So maybe we'll even have you on to discuss it. So fifth caller at 437 764 ESPN 44. Good luck to all. Back in a moment on ESPN Radio.
0: This is In the Booth with Matt Park.
1: We are back in the booth. Just a couple of minutes left on the show for this week. Back on Monday, We'll see how the Orange did on the bye week. We can do a whole breakdown on Monday's show of the bye week. There'll be some uh, League Championship Series action that will have been played by then and then another day closer. In fact, uh, the NBA opens for some on Monday and into Tuesday. Also, we'll look back on tonight's Orange versus White scrimmage, which is in the Dome. Hope to see a lot of folks there. Matt and Cicero waited through the break there. We appreciate that. Matt, you're on. What's happening with you, man?
0: Uh, not much. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, Just real quick, um, with uh, Odell and with uh, Ball, you're you're actually working for a corporation, and whether you like it or not, you have to follow that corporation's rules. It's the way it is. Corporate world, they don't, if I had a tattoo and my company said, I don't want you showing a tattoo or I'm going to fire you,
1: don't show your tattoo. It's that simple. No, I agree with you. I mean, also, yeah. in the case of Beckham, it's play the games. Line, line yeah, up and play. play. the games. You're you paid know. to play. You don't want to
0: play Butler the same way. You don't want to play? Fine, don't play. If you're refusing to play, you're not getting paid. And see what your stock is like when you don't play.
1: No, I'm totally with you, Matt. I, uh, slightly, we're splitting hairs here. We're talking about two different things. My thing on the tattoos... I, I yeah. totally agree with what you're saying, and that would be my stance too. Except I might be a little more lenient on this particular one. I mean, the, it's not like all tattoos are banned. The the reason these are banned is because they compete with whoever Which has the is contract now. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I can't use
0: another company within my company. I can't go and get outsourced to who I want. I have to use who they want. Right. Because my corporation pays me. If you don't want to work for the corporation, go play
1: overseas. Hundred percent. They don't pay like that overseas, so that's the, right. the trade off. So everybody's Right, it's
0: a choice. It's not a right. it's Absolutely. not like they have the right. It's a choice. Preach. You nobody said you have
1: to play professional basketball. You want to testify? Play the you go, Matt. All right, good stuff. Appreciate hey. the call from uh, Matt and Cicero. I'm with you. I mean, that you can say that all the time. I, th- I think when it really comes down to it, is this whole and the Jimmy Butler deal in, in Minnesota is going to be a good example. That is a test of wills, Butler versus Thibodeau and team management, Minnesota, their incentive for moving him would be to get something instead of just letting him be disgruntled for a year and then walk away at the end of the year. So they may play him through a little bit and kind of split the difference a little and get to the point where they can get something from him on the the market once uh, teams over the course of the season, it, it shakes out who could use him before the trade deadline, you know, for the postseason, Jimmy Butler is obviously a really good player, but he's not as probably as good as he thinks he is, and he does have a contract to play the games, like he's required to play. That's his his job. So, who's going to step up and hold him to it is the question at this point. Do you think he'll he would
2: potentially go out and not and play his hardest? Like, would you expect that from a not uh, possibly?
1: Athlete? Yeah, sure. Well. What he showed in this practice stunt the other day, you want to say, well, well, gee, you could go like that all the time. And I think what his point would be, yeah, we all should be able to play that hard. And what, he was kind of calling out the superstars like Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins for not playing hard all the time. And that's a shame. Every professional athlete should be giving effort all the time. That's what you're getting paid for. But it does lend into this thing, well, oh, when you really turn it on, then look how good a player you are and that's partly the coach's job it's motivation it's why on the second night of a back-to-back teams aren't as good and uh sometimes you've got more to play for in any given day it's human performance we talk about that all the time and that's why it's going to fluctuate from uh, one day to the next but I think obviously Jimmy Butler's probably not a guy you want on your team certainly not a disgruntled Jimmy Butler and who knows what the team that gets him is going to get if he up and leaves to the heat right now are the heat really any Better. They might have him happy, but they might not have the other pieces either. So that brings another week of In the Booth to a close. Orange versus White tonight. Crunch tomorrow night in their home opener. Good stuff. Back here on Monday. See everybody.